Today in Proverbs chapter four and starting in verse 20, it says, my son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is a source of life. And don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that we find in it, the comfort that we find in it when we learn more about your character who you are, uh, that your goodness hasn't failed and it won't fail us. Lord, we see how big you are, that you're big enough for us to be able to trust you with all that we are. And I thank you that as we open your word today, that you would incline our ears to what you would say, um, open our eyes to see your goodness. Lord, unite our hearts in your presence and satisfy us as only you can in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So it, I, I love this passage here. And specifically, you know, it says, keep these words, these sayings, this wisdom in front of you. Don't turn from it because it is life and health to your body. And he gives us an admonition in our verse 23 to guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above all else because it is the source of life or guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life or another translation says determines the course of your life. Another one says out of it flows the springs of life. And even another one says everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart above all else with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life or it is a source of life. And we've got a double emphasis there. He says, guard it, keep it, watch over it. And then that other word, the phrase there that some say, mine says above all else, I'm reading out of the CSB. It says above all else, but yours may say with all diligence, that word also means to guard and to keep like a jailer would keep someone confined. That's what it means. And so we have a double emphasis here to guard your heart because out of it is the source of life. So when we're talking about this, we're obviously talking about our blood pump, right? He must be talking about our cholesterol. He must be talking about our blood pressure because he said, guard your heart, right? So I need to eat those heart healthy foods. I probably need to get off gluten if I can figure out what that is. Different things that I can do to keep my heart healthy, right? Well, you know, when he says heart, and we've talked about this already as we've been talking about the soul, when we look into especially the Old Testament and we see the word heart, what they're referring to is that core of who we are, trying to find a term, a word for something that's hard with language to describe. We also have called it our soul. It's the inner man. It's your personhood. It's where the deepest part of you resides. Now, for us, why is it heart and not the kidneys? You go to Asia, they're going to talk to you a little bit more about the kidneys. 
because they see that as the, it's filtering stuff out. It's very important. It's getting all the negative out and it's keeping the positive. In the ancient Near East, uh, where this would have been written, they would have focused more on the bowels, the, the deep part of you there. And it just sounds weird to use that in our language, doesn't it? To say, I love you, baby, with all my kidney. <laughs> or, or, I just, my bowels are broken right now. <laughs> Like we would say, my heart is broken. It's just, that's the word that we use, the organ that we have used in our language for the seat of that person, that, 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 that emotion, that core of us. When he's talking about our heart, he's not just, it is good to keep up with your physical heart. You should do that. But he's talking about uh, that, that core soul part of us that deep, deep part. And he's saying you need to guard it above all else with all diligence, guard it, keep it because it is the source of life. So he's saying we should guard it, but why should we guard it? We've been talking about it. It seems like the the soul is the thing that Christ uses when we're in right relationship with him to integrate all that we are. It keeps everything in line. So why does it need to be guarded this thing that was breathed into man in Genesis chapter two, where it says God breathed into his nostril and he, and he became a soul alive or a soul living. And when Jesus said, uh, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, but forfeit or lose your soul or lose your life? It's this important thing. Why do we need to guard it? And the reason we need to guard it is our soul, our heart, our core is by its very nature needy. It's needy. And I've mentioned this before and I had the quote, remember that we are limited in every way except our need. We are limited in every way except we have unlimited desire. Have you noticed that? You always want more. You always want more time. You always want more beauty. You always want more fun. You always want more of the good things in life, don't you? Always more. That, that, that child part of us never stops. You know, kids don't ever want to leave the pool. They always want more. You have so much fun at the pool and there's always crying at the end. Every time there's crying at the end because they don't want to leave. They want more. And we find that recurring over and over in our life, from our heart, in our soul. We want more. We are unlimited only in our need. And why are we like that? We're like that because the one who breathed that life into us is infinite and he is eternal. He's infinite and he is eternal. So our infinite need finds its match in the unlimited grace of Almighty God, the sufficient grace and love of Almighty God. So neediness for God is our condition. That by itself isn't our problem. Our neediness isn't necessarily our problem because what do we need? We need him. What's the problem? Isn't our neediness. It's our fallenness. It's that in our neediness, we look to other things besides him to satisfy that deep and infinite longing that we have on the inside of ourselves. The neediness is part of the design. We're made to run on him. We're made to live in him. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. It's our fallenness that causes that neediness to be turned in the wrong direction. Our need points us to God, but in this fallen world, 
we fasten our souls to other sources. And the Bible calls that idolatry. And we'll get over into that as we continue to go through this. One thing we're going to establish today, though, is our soul is needy. And then we're going to begin to talk about some of the things that our soul needs and that our soul looks for as we start this week and move on in to the next few weeks. But we need to be able to ask ourselves the question, do we even realize what our soul, what our heart is devoted to? Have we looked into that and hopefully uh, we'll be mindful of that as we walk through it. But today, our need, the desire of our heart, of our soul, of our core, the deepest part of who we are is to be with God. The deepest part of who we are is to be with God. Miss Cindy, when she shared at Overcomers a few weeks ago, she said, everybody wants to know what what their purpose is in life. What's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do with my life? And she said it very clearly and very plainly. She said, your purpose in life is to draw near to God. Your purpose in life is to be close to him because our soul will never be satisfied without him. We read in Psalm 86 this morning, Lord, answer me, I am poor and needy. And he wasn't talking about his bank account. He wasn't talking about his 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 uh, balance of how much he had. What he was talking about was his extreme need for God, his complete need for God. All the needs that our soul has, and again, we'll walk through some of these in the coming weeks, they have their ultimate satisfaction in God. Everything that we're looking for finds its right satisfaction in Him. Everything that we need, everything that we desire finds its right satisfaction in Him. And you may be thinking to yourself, everything, everything, the root of all your desires are rightly and completely satisfied in Him. Remember Psalm 77, Asaph said, my soul refused to be comforted. We pointed out that our soul refuses to be comforted by the lesser things, things that won't satisfy, that won't fill us up, that won't do what they say that they're going to do. And in his beautiful will, he has given us our own will, our own agency, our own ability so that we can steward this heart that he has given us that needs him. He has given it to us to steward. That's why in Proverbs it says, guard your heart above all else. He's speaking to a child, his child. He's not telling him, get close to me so I can guard your heart. He should try to guard his heart, but he said, ultimately it's going to lie with you. You are going to be the guard. You are going to be the keeper of your own heart. Guard your heart above all or with all Diligence. Why? Because it's needy. It needs a keeper. It needs a guard to make sure that in its neediness, it's not looking to the wrong things. That in its neediness, it's not turning to the wrong things. And who has he given that job to? That first guard, that first watchman over your own heart. Who's he given it to? Yep, that's right. He's given it to us. He's given it to us in this mysterious mix of receiving from him and working from what we've received. He's put this as one of the things that we ought to do is to guard our heart, to pay attention to it, to, to be the keeper of our soul. 
And again, we have to pay attention. We talked about the very first week. We have to know first that we have this internal life, that we have this on the inside of us, that it's real, that it's there. And, and again, it's hard for people to put their finger on it or to, you know, wrap their mind around it. But we all know that we have one and we all know that because we felt it hurt. Right. That was one of the examples. We know that it's there. I know that I have a soul, whether I think I deserve one or not. I know I have one because I felt it hurt. I have felt it hurt. So I know I have one and I know it's important because of what Jesus said. He said, what does it profit you if you get everything that you think you want, but you lose your soul or your soul is lost? And we talked last week about how that's not only describing our final destination, but also our current condition to be lost. And as I was reading and studying this, I came across a conversation uh, by two men, very honest conversation uh, by a pastor named John, who uh, lives in California. Um, and he, he was writing about how after he had turned 50, he was offered a sabbatical uh, by the church that he, he led. And a sabbatical just means you step away for several weeks or for months. Sometimes professors will do it for even a year. I heard one of our universities here in Arkansas, that after every so many years of service and of teaching, uh, they required their professors to take at least a year off in which it was a Christian university. So they may do a mission. They may do more study, but to take a sabbatical. And he said, I really needed it. I needed it. The way he put it was because I was becoming increasingly frustrated and impatient and preoccupied. He said, I felt as if I had too much to do and not enough time or ability to do it in. And I felt that one when I read it. He said, I was becoming frustrated, preoccupied, impatient. I had too much to do and not enough time or ability to do it in. He said, I was operating on the unspoken assumption that my inner world or my soul would be filled with life and peace and joy once my external world was perfect. He had set off a a destination. He said, once I get this part all lined out, then this part will be right. This part will feel well. This part will be joyful, happy, and at peace or, or rightly ordered when the external world was ordered. And he acknowledged looking back that this was only a good recipe for soul health if we live in a perfect world. But we can do the same thing that he did. And we talked, I won't go into too much of it. We talked about it last week where we make the destination our hope. Once I get there, then. And that's what he was saying. He's like, I feel like once I'm able to get everything in the natural ordered the way it should be ordered and make everything right and everything good, then I will feel the joy and the peace on the inside that I'm seeking. And he established for himself a new goal because he had been on sabbatical, like being on vacation for a long period of time. He said, I liked better who I was when I was on vacation. I was a better person. I felt better. I mean, we know how that feels, right? When we go on vacation, sometimes it depends on what kind of vacation we're going on. But he said, I I liked who I was better. He said, but that's not good because I'm a pastor. I work at a church. (laughs) I should be better when I'm at work. But he established a new goal for himself. And he said, all I want is to, be as, is to be as relaxed as I am when I'm on vacation and productive as I am when I'm at work. 
That's not too big of a deal, right? He said, that's all I want. That's my goal. I want to be as relaxed as I am when I'm on vacation, but as productive as I am when I am focused and at work. And so he's got all of this rolling in him. And again, I'm reading this because he put it in clear and plain language. I could have tried to recreate it. But I was like, this is just so easy for me to understand. I think it'll be easier for you to understand. During this time, when he's got this going on, right? So he's, he's kind of walking through. I've been frustrated. I've been preoccupied. Um, I've been aggravated just because I can't get things lined out in my life the way I want them to be. So I'm not feeling that peace on the inside that my heart and my mind are seeking after. During this time, he went to visit with his mentor, whose name was Dallas. And he told him, he said, I'm frustrated because the people at my church aren't growing like I think they should be growing. Like we're spending this time and we're spending this energy. And he's like, people aren't, people aren't growing. And he, we ask similar questions about our own life. You know, why is this not going faster? Why is it not going better at work? Why are my kids not doing what they should be doing? What, what I want them to do? Why is, why am I having this issue with my spouse? Why aren't we able to just G-haul like we need to G-haul? Why aren't things going better? Why aren't things getting better faster? And he had this and he had this technical piece. And this man was his mentor, even in the ministry. And so he asked him this question. He said, what do I need to do to help our church experience greater levels of spiritual growth? That's a good question, right? What do I need to do so that our church experiences greater levels of spiritual growth? And again, we can take this and apply it to wherever we are. God, what do I, what do I need to do to get everybody else to do what they need to do? What do I need to do? And his mentor, Dallas, leaned back and he kind of thought for a second. He took this long pause and Pastor John was just ready. He was like, yes, here it comes. Because this guy he was talking to, extremely wise. I mean, you would call him a sage, smarter than all of us, probably put together. Just really, I've read some of his books, just very, very special guy. But he leans back and he takes this long pause and he's going to answer the question of what do I need to do or how can the people at my church grow more spiritually? And Dallas leaned back and he said, you must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment and joy and confidence in your everyday life with God. You must arrange your day so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. And Pastor Johnny was like, well, you, he's, Dallas is a little bit older. He's like, you probably didn't understand what I was asking. I wasn't asking about what I needed to do. I was asking about these people at my church. Like, what should we do? Like, should we start a new program? Do we need to get, do I need to get a book that everybody can read and we can all read it together? Do we need to have some type of new prayer plan? Like, what, what, what can we do? And Dallas said, I know that's not what you were asking, but that's the answer. Because you need to arrange your days so that you're experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. That's the answer you need the most because he was telling him the main thing you need as a pastor, the main thing you need as just an agent in your own life, the main thing you need to be able to give the people around you is the person that you are becoming in Christ. The same thing when we, when we sing, God, I don't have much. I don't have much, but I want to give you something. What we give to him is the person that we're becoming in him. 
That's what we give to God, that what we are becoming in him. And this is what Dallas was exhorting Pastor John. And he's like, what the people around you need the most is for you to be close to God, for you to be content in him, to find your joy in him. That's what the people around you need the most. And he said, I know, I know what you're talking about. He's like, I I believe a whole lot in, in quiet time and having my quiet time every day. You know, having that 15 or 30 minutes at the beginning of the day where I give my day to God and I spend time with him. And he's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your quiet time. He said, quiet time is good. But he's like, what about the rest of the day? If you give him 15 or 20 minutes, what are you doing with the rest of the day? He needs to be involved in every part of the day. Your day needs to be arranged around him. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. And we're talking about being the keeper, the keeper of our soul, the keeper of our own heart. And when, when I heard that instruction, that encouragement, I was like, how can we, how, how could we ever phrase it? How could I ever phrase it better than to say that? That what our soul needs is for us to arrange our days where our contentment, our, our, our joy is coming from him coming from him in the everyday. But Pastor John had a problem and he was going to voice it. And we, we might voice the same things like, how am I supposed to be content? How am I supposed to be joyful when I got all this going on? When my life is so not where I want it to be. He's like, my work's not going well. I already told you I got these people not growing. And I'm feeling inadequate. I'm feeling inadequate as a pastor. I'm feeling inadequate as a husband. I'm feeling inadequate as a father. I'm not able to get everything done that I need to get done. Things are getting out of hand here and here. I, I, how can I find contentment and joy in that? He's like, I got the pressure of having to deliver a sermon every week. And if it doesn't go well or if it doesn't get across uh, and communicate what's needing to be communicated, I got to deal with the, the pain that comes from that for the following week. So what's he saying? And again, you're not pastors. Generally. But what's he saying is, how can I find contentment when my life isn't where I need it to be? How can I find joy when my life is so difficult? How can I find peace when I feel this away? How can I find peace when I feel this away? And Dallas looked at him, he said, I did not tell you that you should experience contentment and uh, joy and confidence in your abilities. He said, I did not tell you that you should experience contentment and joy in your situation and your circumstances. What I said was arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment and joy and confidence in your everyday life with God. He's saying, because all of those other things, you're never going to get them to fully line up. They're never going to always be right. You're always going to feel like you're not enough. If you don't feel like you're not enough, then you're not doing enough. Because if you do just a little bit, you real quick feel like you're not enough. He's like, I'm not telling you to get your contentment from those things. The problem for him was he was trying to get his contentment from those things. He was saying, once I get every, once success starts to hit, then I'll be content when really, and he was honest about this, that he was more successful that day than he had been a year before, five years before, 10 years before, and the contentment still hadn't struck yet. 
The contentment still hadn't hit yet. The validation and the joy still wasn't forthcoming. Even though things had gotten better, they hadn't reached the best. And so he's saying, this is why I don't feel this way. And again, his mentor, who had given him kind of the proverbial sayings here, was you're never going to find your contentment in those things. If you do, it's not going to last. It's not going to be there when you need it. It's not going to be there when things are difficult. He's like, your contentment that you find in your everyday life with God. And I love the way he mixed those together. He's, he's got contentment that I, I feel good about who I am in him. And I feel joy about who I am in him. And, and, and then he talks about the joy. Joy is uh, a propellant. Joy moves us forward. It doesn't just keep us where we are. Joy moves us forward. It says in Hebrews that for the joy that was set before Christ, he endured the cross. He despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. So you've got contentment in who I am in Christ. You've got joy, which pushes me forward. And you've got confidence that he's going to be there tomorrow, just like he was there today. But we don't experience that unless we arrange our days around him. And we should have a quiet time. We should have that time each day that we dedicate specifically to him. But what the, uh, the writer here in Proverbs and what the spirit would say to us is we've got to arrange the rest of that day around him. We've got to arrange the rest of that day around him. And we have trouble figuring out what that looks like. We're like, am I just supposed to pray all day? Am I supposed to carry my Bible with me all day? Like, what am I supposed to do? I want to know what to do. Tell me what to do. And the answer isn't clear cut, right? Because it is going to involve you reading your Bible. If you're not reading your Bible every day, you you need to be in the Bible every day. But arranging your day so that you're experiencing that contentment in him. For me, I'll step away from this for just a second. For me, I'll give you an example. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, I came home from work, changed clothes, came up here, and it had been a pretty long day. And I was feeling uh, tired, but I was also feeling, I don't anxious isn't the right word, but I'll say that I, was, I wasn't even sure how I was, but I wasn't at peace, okay? I wasn't at peace. And some of it's just like, okay, this has got to get done. Okay, this has got to get done. What if this is, and you know, there's just things and the day was still feeling too big. And there were some things that had gone on that I didn't like how they had gone. And I wish they had gone differently. And there were some things that didn't get done that I knew were still going to be there tomorrow. Uh, and that other things were going to also be there tomorrow. And so it was just like, okay. And what, one thing I've learned it just recently, and I know this is going to shock you that I've just learned this recently, is that I have to stop and be quiet. And take a breath. And I cut, I got my little speaker and I sit in that chair right up there. There were other things that needed to be done. But I was like, right now, I got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to stop. I've got to breathe. I've got to pray. And my prayer was nothing more than, God, I need you. I need you. And asking my soul, why are you feeling this away? Why are you feeling this away when you got all these other things to bring contentment? When he has given himself to me for my peace, for my joy, for my confidence, because I've been learning, I've been learning about it. And I knew in that moment that what was needed that Wednesday night more than to make sure there was toilet paper in the bathrooms or there wasn't fingerprints on the windows or that all the air conditioners were on was for my soul to have peace. And I I didn't have to sit there a long time, but I had to sit there for a little bit. 
I had to sit there for a little bit. And I turned on just a little song that I knew would bless my heart and encourage me that there was truth tied to it. And I just sat there with him. I was like, I want to find my contentment in you. I don't want to feel like, well, once I get that, or if I'd only got all those things lined out, then I would feel better. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, there's always going to be things. Every day there's things. Yesterday there was things. Today there's things. Tomorrow there will be other things. Scripture calls it the cares of this life, doesn't it? And I allowed them to kind of wrap themselves around my heart, and I kind of felt like I was not, I mean, it, it just felt constricted. But when I spent that time with him, I felt that release. And that peace and that contentment. So it may look something like that to make sure that there's time in your day that you sit in in, in as much quiet as you can manage. And sometimes that's hard to go. I want to put your truth in front of me. I want to put your truth in front of me and my need for you in front of me right now. So that I can find that contentment. And I can find that joy and I can find that confidence that I need to go, okay, you were with me yesterday. You're with me today. You're with me as I go into tomorrow. I don't have to worry about my life because you are here, right? Our soul needs a keeper. It needs a guard so that it doesn't get off like that. To bring it back where? Into his presence. Because I don't want you to hear, you got to guard your soul. You got to keep it. You got to do a better job because that's just another thing. That's just another thing. And, and if you're like me, you want the list and the list starts out real good until we get five or six days in and then I can't keep it anymore. And then I'm feeling the same way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not giving you something else to put on the list. Your, your soul needs a keeper and it needs you to keep it in his presence because he is with you. Scripture says, I love the way the old key says, whithersoever thou goest. He is with you whithersoever thou go, wherever you are, wherever you are, he's right there. You don't have to be in here. You need to be in here. You need to be in here pretty regular. But if this is it, if you only eat once a week or you only eat once a month, you're going to be pretty hungry the rest of the time. We spend that time with him wherever we are, because wherever we are, he is there. What thing in life when left untended and ignored, gets better. Tended, when it's ignored, gets better. Nothing, right? That's why he's put us here to tend, to subdue, to work. Our soul is needy, and it needs a keeper. A keeper who understands its neediness, who understands its tendency to wonder after other things. To look to other things for contentment and joy and confidence. It needs a keeper. One scholar said it this way. He said, both for his own sake and for the sake of the community, every person must take care of their own soul. For their own sake and the sake of those around them. Remember what Pastor John learned. What the people around you need most is for you to be taking care of your soul. What the people around you need most is for you to be guarding your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Out of it comes the source of life. You know, we like to warn other people by be careful, brother. Reap what you sow. Right? We love to warn other people with that. And we like to pretend that it doesn't apply to us. (laughs) Right? 
We like to pretend that the law of consequences doesn't apply to us, that we can't ignore something and expect it to get better. But for our own sake and the sake of our community, every person must take care of his own soul. We must arrange our days so that we're experiencing deep contentment and joy and confidence in your everyday life with God. That's what you and I need the most, and that's what the people around us need the most. And again, it's not in our own strength. I don't want you to hear that and go, I got another thing to do. Here, I already had enough. Now I feel like I'm doing a bad job. I feel like I'm doing a bad job. Not only do I have to do all the things I was already doing, now Stephen's going to put another thing on the list. And that's not what it is. But I understand, we, we feel, and Scripture put it this way, we can feel like a city without walls. Right? What's a city without walls? It's vulnerable. It's defenseless to anything that would come against it. And we spend a lot of days feeling just that away. We're like, I can't handle one other thing right now. All my defenses are weak. Everything I've got is worn down and brought low. But see, while he has encouraged us or encouraged him Proverbs to guard our heart, we haven't been left alone. We haven't been left alone. That's why he's wanting us to spend that time with him to arrange our day so that we feel that contentment in him, that joy in him, that confidence in him to remind ourselves that we're not in this by ourselves, that I'm not in this alone, that I'm not in this alone. And Pastor John said, how can I, how can I do that when, when things aren't going well enough that I'm not enough? It's not in our strength. It's not in our situations, but it's in God almighty. And resting in Him, finding that contentment, that joy, and that confidence in Him, which is the only place we can truly find that confidence. That's why He said uh, to, to bring Him our weakness, and we would find in Him strength. And it's in the everyday, the absolute everyday. You can have big moments that you remember, but the important part is what happens every day, right? How many meals do you remember in the last year? How many meals do you remember in the last year? Not a bunch, right? You may, remember, you, you may remember dishes, but I'm talking about the meals where you sat down and ate it. How many do you remember in the last year? And of the ones that you remember, how many of those were healthy and good? <laughs> right? We usually remember the ones that aren't. We usually remember that one time at the barbecue or Thanksgiving, right? We remember those big meals, but how many of them were good? And without all of those meals in the everyday we don't get to where we are. So a lot of these things aren't going to be big and monumental and memorable. But what it's doing is it's building a rhythm in your life that puts you at the feet of the cross. That puts you under the wings of the Savior. Again, you may not remember what you do, how you arrange your day for this coming Tuesday. But if you do it diligently... It's going to make a difference. It's going to feed you and carry you into tomorrow. Arrange, organize your days. There's some things you need. There are some things that as we go through this, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to move out. There's some things you're going to need to move out. 
And there's some things he's going to move. He's going to encourage you to move in. Some things he's going to encourage you to move in so that you can walk in this contentment and this joy as you guard your heart with all diligence. And again, it's going to involve the spiritual disciplines. We've talked about that before. Taking in the truth. Reading the scripture. Prayer. Fellowship with the body of Christ. Those are your top three. When am I, when am I putting that in there? When am I turning my thoughts and my attention towards him? Let's go back. Let's read this one more time. And then we'll close. Proverbs 4. Pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Just real quick. You see how some things can pop up when we're not guarding our heart? How we can start to handle things the wrong way? Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Not easy. Established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. It says carefully consider the path for your feet. Now sometimes when we do that, it's to try to, to, try to keep from or to cheat the bad. I don't want the bad to set in, so I'm going to try to carefully consider what I'm doing to keep away the bad. And the encouragement here is no, it's not to cheat the bad. It's to enjoy the good. It's to enjoy the good and the right that he has made available to us as his children so that we can run up to him at any time during the day and find that contentment because he's everything we need. Find that joy and find that confidence. Why? Because I'm going to have to get back up from there. I'm going to have to get up from that chair with my music and move on to the next thing. But I move on different than if I hadn't ever done it. Last week we talked about how your destination will never do it. And neither can anyone else do it for you. We can't be like Pastor John and say, once I get there, then. Once I get done with this, then. Because there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be something else. Guard your heart. Guard its needs. The needs of your soul and arrange your days so that those are under the fountain of His sufficiency. Put yourself in a position where he can minister to you. Turn your attention to him so that he can give you what it is that you need instead of trying to get it from somewhere else. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that as we hear that charge to guard our heart, you've not asked us to do it in our own wit and wisdom and in our own strength but that you lead us in paths of rightness. You do that for your namesake. 
Lord, for the mystery and the marvel of how you have created us and put these things under the reach of our effective will. I still marvel at it that you've given us something to do, but you've also given us everything that we need with which to do it. God, help us to guard our heart. Help us to keep our souls. Help us to arrange our days so that we are experiencing deep contentment and joy and confidence in you. Not in who we are, but in who you are. Not in what we've done, but in what you have already done. God, help us to know most, most right now how much you love us. God, our whole life long, we could spend trying to uh, wrap our mind around how much you love us and we wouldn't be able to because you're infinite and you're eternal. But God, help us to have a better picture of it. Help us to see you more clearly so that we can follow you more closely. And God, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom on the things that we can move out, the things that we should move in, God, but above all, where our attention should be, that in all our ways we would acknowledge you, that we would be constantly aware of you, constantly in fellowship with you, and that you're not just another thing on our list, but that you're our life, and to know that, to understand that. And even when we are feeling low, even when life is too big, even when we do feel like a city without walls, we can bring that all to you and find exactly what we have need of. That we can find that contentment, that we can find a balm for our wounds, that we can find rest for our souls. thank you. God, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. That you protect us, that you keep us safe. And as we go through this week, we do so with you in mind, not only for our own life, but for those around us. God, knowing that what they need the most is for us to be finding our contentment in you. What they need most is for us to have a healthy soul so that we can be available to be a light in dark places. God, for those that are weak in their body today, we ask that you heal them, strengthen them, and give them peace. Those that are traveling, that you would protect them and bring them safely to their destination. Or those that are working, that they do so as unto you and not unto anybody else. God, be glorified in us. I thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. And I thank you for the rest that we find in it today. In Jesus' name.